0: Church. Hey Tyler. It's so great to be here and I'm glad that you've chosen to brave the weather and and join us for worship. It's been an awesome morning so far and we've we've got so much more to go. I don't know about how many of you guys got up early yesterday and you watched the royal wedding. Uh, Anybody? Anybody want to admit to that? Uh, I didn't. Uh, But when I woke up, I started getting these you know, I check social media, like many of you, when you first wake up in the morning. And I start getting these tweets about this incredible sermon that happened by the Bishop Curry at that. And if you haven't watched it, I highly encourage you to just Google Royal Wedding Sermon and, and, and listen to it. Because he, you know, he, he is a, a black man, and it was a black sermon, and, you know, a lot of energy. And it was really funny to see these royals, like, because they're trying to stay serious, Right. Like trying to have that straight face, and, and he 's up there, and he 's bringing the, the gospel and, and the holy Spirit and the holy fire, and, and so and they 're all trying to keep a straight face, and, and then they, they pan over to Oprah Winfreys, and she 's just swaying, you know so <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a great message, and, and so I encourage you to go and, and check it out and we're talking about singleness, which you know if you 're single and you read and you 're like, oh man you 're talking about singleness i 'm not showing up that day." And then you had the royal wedding yesterday where an American literally got to be a princess, right? And so many people dream to be a princess. It might be a double, a double whammy, right? But I think this is such an important topic And this could be if you're single because you're still a teenager and you're in your parents' home or maybe you haven't been married yet or you were previously married. I think that there's a lot of really great truth that you're going to hear today from Scripture. And I know it's tough. It's tough to talk about it. And if you're married, you're one of the married folks, and like, well, I guess I can take a nap. (laughs) That's not true. There's some wonderful truth of Scripture that you can still apply to your life. And I'm going to be challenging you to invite people in your homes that might be lonely and might be struggling with, with singleness because we are a family. And if we're going to take that seriously, if we truly believe that we are a family, that means there should not be lonely people in our family, in our church. So that's what we're talking about tonight, or today. The, the, the sermon that this pastor shared, Bishop Curry, is that God's love is the kind of love that changes the world. It changes us, and through us, then we help change the world. And it was a beautiful and powerful sermon. And what I want to draw from that into this idea of singleness is that singleness is actually a gift from God. Now, I've been single before, and if you're single, I know you're thinking that there's no way that is true. But that's actually biblical truth is that singleness is a gift from God because we believe that it is God's love that sustains us and gives us strength. Whether we are single and whether we are married or whatever, we need to turn to God and allow God's love to to fulfill us and give us strength. Because it doesn't matter if you find the perfect person, that person cannot fulfill you. The only thing in life that can bring fulfillment is God and God's love. And this is what Paul says. So some of the best people who ever lived, Jesus and Paul, chose to be single. Singleness can be a calling and a gift From So this is what Paul says about it. Chapter 7, verse 6 through 9. I'm saying this to give you permission. It's not a command. I wish all people were like me, but each has a particular gift from God. One has this gift, another has that one. I'm telling those who are single and widows that it is good for them to stay single like me. He's actually saying that singleness is a gift from God if they can't control themselves they should be get married because it is better to marry than to burn with passion so what he is saying here is that it is better to be single in some ways because you can focus your entire energy and effort and life on god now those of us who are married you know that when we are married there's another person in the equation for everything right There's another person that you have to make decisions with. There's another person that you have to take into consideration. There's another person that you are called to submit to. And so now it becomes a conversation between two people. And then if you have kids, all of a sudden, it's now a conversation with your family and your children and everyone. But if you're single, you can just focus on your relationship with God. Whether that's a temporary condition or like you're a person, like Jesus or Paul, who's called to lifelong singleness. It's the hardest thing. I I, I understand that there's so much that someone who is called to lifelong singleness would miss out on, but you have to let the love and strength of God fulfill you. So Western culture, or I want to compare Western culture and traditional culture on marriage, and then also talk about what Christianity believes. So traditionally, people had to get married because women couldn't own property, and so, men and women would get to married, and you were just expected. Everyone was expected to be married, right? And so, culturally, there's an expectation to be married. Now, in Western culture, we we have gotten to the point where it's okay to have sex out of marriage, right? And that's what Western culture says. Just flip on your TV, turn to any TV show, and probably during that hour or thirty minutes, there's somebody that is not married that's going to be in a sexual relationship. It's just that's what Western culture. It's okay. Sex is sex is just sex. It's casual. It's, it's not a big deal what christianity says is something completely different what christianity says is we are called to be fulfilled by god whether single or married and we are called to put god first we're called to put god first you know when i was when i was younger i was married actually a little bit later in life i was married at 27 and so i have been there i've been there folks When I was a teenager, I was one of those kids that always felt a little bit awkward and a little bit left out. And I thought that fulfillment would be found if I dated this girl. And I was obsessed with this one girl. And it hurt my relationship with God because all I could think about day and night was this girl. And I thought I was in love with her, but love comes from two. It has to be shared. You can't love someone and them not love you in return. And so that affected my relationship with God. And so if you are single and you're actively pursuing someone, anyone, just to fill a void, you're going to end up with the wrong person. Because you'll just take the first person that gives you attention and energy rather than the person that God has designed for you, that God has made for you, that God has chosen for you, that God has desired so that both of you could come together in marriage and live for God. So we have to put God first. In fact, that's the theme of this Sermon is that we need to seek God first in all things, and then the world will follow. So our scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 25 through 34. And this is what it says. This is a pretty common verse, and it really has, on the surface, seems like it has nothing to do with singleness. But it starts here. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they are? Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work. They don't spin cloth. But I say to you, even Solomon in all of his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses the grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today, and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat, and what are we going to drink, and what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Or the version I learned, seek the kingdom of God first, and all will be given to you. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry for itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. Now, a lot of people have read these scriptures, and they've kind of taken it out of context and said, you know, this this is calling to an ascetic lifestyle, like, don't eat very much, wear simple clothing, you know, not worry about tomorrow. Or perhaps some people have used an excuse not to work hard or to be lazy and just say, well, God's going to provide. That is not what the scripture is about. It is about a Jesus who himself was single put his whole trust and energy and effort into God, and God provided for Jesus. And God provided so that Jesus was happy and content. Yes, troubled times would come. There's a future that he's looking forward to where he knows he's going to suffer. He loses friends, and he, and he weeps, and he's sad, and he's heartbroken. And yet, he is content enough to sit in the field. This is kind of how I imagine this going down. You have the disciples Sitting around him, and he's about to teach them. And they're probably, man, we only have this much money for this and this much money for that. And Jesus is sort of watching butterflies or birds. And They're probably thinking, Jesus, why aren't you listening to us? And he's like, you know, see those birds? They don't worry about where their next meal is coming from. See those flowers over there? God closed them. Why are you worrying? Let God fulfill you. No thing, no person, nothing else can bring fulfillment. In, in fact, if you put God first and you seek the kingdom of God first, you get all the world thrown in. I have a quote from uh, C.S. Lewis that I have actually learned from my friend Donnie Cook who goes to this church, and he, he says this all the time. He says, put first things first, which is God, and second things are thrown in. But second things first, and you lose both the first and the second thing. So the theme of this story, the theme of this gospel, the thing of when we talk about singleness, the thing about talking about married, being married, is you've got to put God first. If you seek first the kingdom of God, then the world gets thrown in. That doesn't mean you're going to have a perfect life. But it does mean that your Father in heaven who knows you and knows what you need will provide what you need. You're going to seek after what you want You're going to seek after your desire. You're going to seek after what your heart thinks you need. But trust in God who knows what you need. And when you do, when you put first things first, you can live for God. I mentioned that singleness is a gift. It really is. I was talking to Michelle before this. I I said, okay, Michelle, just as a a thought experiment, what is the one place that you would really not want to move to (laughs) If, if I got a call tomorrow or, or God was calling me, what's one place that you would really hate? And she, gets, she thought about it for a little bit and she goes, Alaska. <laughs> it's far away and it's cold. What if God called me to Alaska and now I have to make a choice between my love and my faith and my family and God, right? Now, God doesn't usually provide those situations and make you choose, which is why some people are called to singleness, That's why Mother Teresa was able to do the great good that she was able to do and move to India and do all these things, is she wasn't tied down. Now, I'm not saying everyone who is single is called to a nunnery. That's not my point. My point is, seek God. And God will provide you what you what you need and what you're called to and what is right for you. Seek God first and you'll get the world thrown in. Now, I know there are challenges being single. I'm not, I'm not silly. I, I was there once. There are struggles. There are, there are difficulties and I get it. For you teenagers over here, right? You still live in your parents' home and you have to follow what they say and they're going to have opinions on who you should date and who you shouldn't date. And because you're under their authority, you should listen to them. Okay? that's important. Kids, teenagers, wherever you are, you're called... To listen to your parents. You're under their authority. But parents, you need to really have what's best for your kids in mind because you're seeking God first, right? Right? In fact, you know, it tells parents that we're not supposed to intentionally make our kids angry, right, and just put things on them to because we're parents. We're supposed to put what their needs and, and seek what is best for them because we're putting God first. And we want our kids to put God first. And we want you to guys to seek the right person for you. So if you're single and you're young, Listen to your parents. Listen to what they have to say because they have insight and they may help you find the right person for you. And now we're going to talk about some things that are uncomfortable and people in church don't want to talk about. We're going to talk about sex. Culture today says that sex outside of marriage is okay. And that's a lie. It's just a lie. It's not okay. It's not a good thing. And when God tells us these things, it's not because God wants to give us difficult rules to follow by to make our life intentionally difficult. It's not okay because God knows the way we're designed. God built us. God designed us. And God designed sex for marriage. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says this. The two will become one flesh. This is quoting Genesis. That when we become married, not only do we get connected spiritually, we get connected physically. And when we have sex with someone, we connect on a deep and spiritual level. Right? We have given ourselves to that person. The one who is joined to the Lord in one spirit with him. Avoid sexual immorality. Every sin that a person can do is committed outside the body, except those who engage in sexual immorality commit sin against their own body. Or don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Don't you know that you have the Holy Spirit from God and and you don't belong to yourselves? You have been bought and paid for, so honor God. We believe the Holy Spirit, right? came down and, and is in our body. That, we are the temple. Our bodies are the temple. Buildings are not temples. We are the temple. The Holy Spirit resides within us. And so we are called to honor our bodies in the way that we should honor the temple. And if we have sex with someone outside of the bond of marriage, and, and we break up because you're much more likely, even today where divorce is common, you're much more likely to break up with someone if you're not married. And then you have developed that spiritual and physical bond with them, and it's going to cause such incredible pain. And you may even stay in a relationship longer because you've chosen to have sex. This isn't easy truth, but it's real. You know, it's so difficult today because we are physically mature at about the age of 12, but people are waiting in males until they're 29 and females until they're 27 to get married. That's a long time to wait, right? The only way it's possible is if you seek fulfillment in God first. Seek first thing first. Seek God and the world will be thrown in. What we're saying today is not easy, but it's important. And it will save you a ton of pain and suffering. Again, God doesn't do these things to make you feel bad. God doesn't do these things because God is mean. God does this because God loves and cares for us and is trying to teach us the best possible way to live. You know, the first sin of Adam and Eve was Adam and Eve saying that they knew better than God how to run this world. The same thing with all these other sins. When we choose outside of marriage to have sex, we are saying we know better than God how to run our lives. Now, I want to be very clear. I grew up in the very, you know, conservative world, and people were beat up for having sex before marriage. That's not what I'm doing here. You're not a bad person. We all struggle with it. It's something we all have been tempted. You're not a bad person if you've had sex before marriage. But God just wants and desires something better for you, okay? I'm not trying to beat you up. The second thing that we don't want to talk about that I really (laughs) am going to share about is pornography. We're going to talk about pornography this morning because it is an epidemic. We can get on our phones and we can Google it and it's right there in front of us. And it's bad. It's not good for us. It's, a lot of people say that it's a victimless crime. It's not. We're taking something that does not belong to us and subjugating it for ourselves and our own desires. Pornography is dangerous, and it hurts us, and it hurts how we interact with people. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, But I say to you, every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. And if your right eye causes you to fall into sin, tear it out and throw it away... It's better to lose a part of your body than your whole body to be thrown in hell. It's, it's destructive. It's not good for us because they've actually done studies that if you look at pornography, it changes the way your mind works, and now you're attracted to digital pixels rather than physical person. And it, and it makes it more difficult to have Im- intimacy with your partner. So that's, that's another thing. When, you, when you're lusting after someone, it's not just saying when you see a woman or a man and, and you see they're attractive, It's when you imagine yourself having sex with that person. That's when the sin comes in. And again, people, this is not, these are not just rules to make us feel bad about ourselves. These are rules because God knows what is best for us. And we're to seek God first. And then the world will be thrown in. Another part that the last thing I'm gonna talk about is loneliness. A lot of people who are single are lonely. That's our job as the church. So if you're single and you're lonely, you need to seek out community. You need to find a life group. You need to find people, brothers and sisters in Christ, which is another thing that if you're lusting after people and you're doing pornography, it makes it really difficult to build friendships with people of the opposite sex because now you start to see them as an icon of sex rather than a person. Right? And so now it's really difficult to have those relationships. Okay? So if you're lonely We can't provide you a spouse. Sometimes uh, people give me a hard time because I'm a matchmaker and I want to make everybody happy, right? And so if I could, I would give everybody a spouse. Like, here, you have a spouse and you have a spouse and you have a spouse. I would love to do that. But I don't have that ability. No one has that ability. The only one you can trust is God. But if you're lonely, seek community in the church. But you need to come to us and let us know that you need that community. I can't read minds. I can't. In church, for those of us in the church who are marrying, it's on us to adopt these folks who feel lonely and invite them into our homes, have them over for dinner, love on them, make them part of your house, make them part of your family. We are a family. Quit closing your doors on people. Open them, open them wide. Because that's what God has called us to do. So all of us can learn from the scripture that we are supposed to put First things first. We're supposed to put God first. And then the world gets thrown in. So all of us can apply that. When we're married, we've got to put God first in our life. If we're single, we've got to put God first in our life. And then the message for the rest of us in the church is that we are called to seek out those who are lonely and who are hurting and invite them to be a part of our families. These seats could be filled with people who are outside these doors right now, who are sitting at home, crushed and lost and alone, And just wanting someone to know them and to be friends with them and to invite them somewhere. And maybe that is the church. So we have a responsibility as the church. So we we need a call to serve each other, to make great life groups, to invite people to our life groups, to be open in our life groups for everybody so that no one feels lost and alone. You know, I experienced this. I always think about how where I am today is the result of all the people, all the churches, all the groups that poured into me when I was struggling. When I was in college, I was struggling with a relationship. Again, I was putting myself first rather than God first. And I had signed up to go on this mission trip to Puerto Rico. And I just felt broken. I didn't feel like I should be there. And I just, at one point, uh, like a day in, I just started breaking down and crying. And I was broken. And I was lost. All of a sudden, I felt someone's arm around me. And I looked up, and there was a, the entire group had circled around me and were praying for me because they loved me. I was part of their family. And that's what we do for each other. When we're feeling broken and lost and alone, our church family wraps their arms around us and they pray for us and they help us and they help us seek God first. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be given unto you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.